What's up, Catching Up With Cub listeners? We are on a mission to make this podcast Australia's number one entrepreneurial podcast. And if you enjoy listening, you can help us do so by rating us five stars and leaving us a review. Your reviews will help other listeners find our show and it lets me know what you want to hear more of. I'm so incredibly grateful for your support. Now let's get to the show. Hello, Legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, I'm catching up with my good friend, Michael Porter, an owner of Four Seasons Condoms and Pimple Patch. Four Seasons is the largest Australian-owned condom brand and company, and it also provides the largest variety of sizes of condoms. Four Seasons is a family-owned business that started in the 80s to help Australians combat the issues of the time. Since then, it has become the powerhouse brand uh, it is today. Me and Michael discussed a range of really relevant topics, including the importance of being yourself as he shares his story of coming out as a gay man and how that was a tremendously positive impact on his life. Finding inspiration from around the globe and bringing that to the Australian market. Michael shared some great insight into working and dealing with the large retailers and and how to work well with them. It was a great conversation. Michael's one of my best friends, so it was such a pleasure to share his story. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thank we you are very actually much. live. Oh, here case. we are. Yeah. Oh, you uh, you're a very confident, outgoing person. You you love to socialize. You you know you have no issues talking, but um, but you, even yourself found uh, found yourself a little bit uh, on the sweaty side of things when you first got here and saw the lights of the studio. <laughs> I know I wasn't <laughs> expecting a full Hollywood production set up here, but you guys have. <laughs> You know, really escalated things since the early days. I think I, was, I almost expected. You know, where's where's the hair and makeup? Where am I going for that? <laughs> no, we're still we're still the only podcast on the top of the charts that still records from a living room. So uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get a studio pretty soon. But but um, we've had some good times in this living room before. So <laughs> coming back coming back and looking around in, in the daytime, I'm like, oh wow. Which leads me to a very important <laughs> point for the listeners. Michael is one of my best friends. And um, uh, and he's also a, an incredible business person. But me and you have never actually sat down and had an in-depth conversation about have business. No, and and so I'm I'm pretty excited to to do this today. I also think uh, to my point before, I mean you're a very well-known person, and people know you. But I th- I think I reckon a lot of people don't realize actually how hard you work. Um, and how smart you are and the things that you've accomplished um, uh, oh, thank with you. your business. So I think it would be cool to really um, to talk through that and even for myself to, to learn that. But but um, where should we start? So maybe uh, do you want to maybe introduce uh, the – because obviously you've sure. joined a family business and, and you've really made your own stamp on it. But mm. uh, you've got a lot of business. There's Four Seasons Condoms. Mm-hmm. You've got this pimple company now. Why don't you give us the breakdown? <laughs> All, right. All right, great. So maybe I'll just start with um, what the business itself is called. So the company is called Australian Therapeutic Supplies. Uh, my, my parents actually founded that in the mid-80s and that's grown uh, into a number of different avenues. It primarily focuses around helping people uh, and helping protect people, whether it's with our brand Four Seasons Condoms. We have a brand of sunscreen called Sea and Ski. Uh, we have a new brand, or which is which is sort of well, – it's not 
totally new. It was around a little while ago, but we've, we've really brought it back called Skin Control. Uh, and then we've recently acquired a new brand called Coconut Magic, which has a whole lot of coconut oils and MCT oils and things like that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there's a range of, range of different products there. And uh, yeah, it was founded by, yeah, by my parents and, back and in so the day. And so when your parents started it, mm-hmm. what made them start? Like, I mean, honestly, if I was probably going to start a company again and it wasn't Cub, I'd probably start a condom company. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool company to start. But like, yeah. how does one come to the conclusion that you know what? Let's start a condom business. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting, right? Because back in the eighties and nineties was obviously the whole AIDS crisis and STIs were blowing up. And it was a massive thing, and there was a very uh, limited offering of condoms back then. So, uh, Dad had been importing a number of products from overseas. Uh, and selling them into pharmacies and, and sort of saw a gap in the market for condoms, weirdly, and specifically a size range of condoms. So no one was doing a size range then, which was very, very funny. And now they're, um, yeah, now we have the, the biggest range of sizes of, of any brand and we're still, you know, totally Australian owned and family owned compared to um, some of the other brands that are out there in the market. So you have the biggest size range. So what are the, what are the sizes from smallest to largest? Yeah, what so, are they so called? The smaller condom is called closer. So it's a polite <laughs> way of saying sports. Genius. <laughs> Marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the regular size is classic, the classic condom. Then there's the larger condom. And we've now just launched the king size condom into a number of um, grocery and pharmacy retailers around the place. So looking forward to seeing how that one goes. And then, you know, beyond that, there's a whole range of other more more niche shapes and sizes. Like the, there's a flared condom. We've got all different What's colors, that? flavors. What's flared? Oh, the, the flared. Do we go into, yeah. what rated is this podcast? No, you can talk. I mean, like we've had sex therapists on here. We've had, well, then you can talk yeah. about anything. You can, so, so you can swear, you can talk about, I mean, we're just talking about your business. Yeah. So, so basically the flag condom uh, starts with a, a standard size circumference at the base and then it flares out at the top. But I think the, the, the kind of important thing is that, I mean, in our generation, yeah, there's flared condoms closer, king size, extra large, whatever it is. There's 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 a well supplied condom selection, but back in the well, I shouldn't say back in the day, but in the eighties when your mm. parents were looking at the industry, they obviously saw a gap in that. Well, wait a second. There's the media must have been. I don't know. We, I wasn't around back then, but mm. the media must have been going wild about the disease and the danger of unprotected yeah. sex. Oh, it's horrifying and yeah. so scary, right, for back then, especially yeah. within whether it was the gay community or whoever else. And there was a, a, a real um, sense of fear around AIDS and STIs and there was a lot less information available than there is today. So, you know, the fact that we were able to be the first or one of the first ones selling a range of condoms in a number of these Australian retailers was really fantastic because we really wanted to try and help people and help people try and navigate this this space. But isn't that the, such a beautiful thing about business, how a business can can help society solve you know, a, a, a really big problems? Mm. You know, if yeah. there is a health crisis, well, a business can can assist in solving that. If, of course, if, look if at the last couple of years, all the innovation that's come off the back of that. Exactly, and that's what you guys have uh, have done and that's what I guess your parents – truly noticed, which was, wait a second, there's, there's a big problem in society and there's not a sufficient solution. Mm. You know, let's, mm. let's, let's, let's help people and let's, let's solve this problem, whether that be with 
a big range of condoms or whatever. Mm. How did they come up with four seasons? Oh, well, it can be used all year round. <laughs> <laughs> Is that actually why? Yeah. That's a great I mean, idea. It worked, it worked with the design aesthetic. But, but I mean, they really, they really worked their absolute ass off and mm. they still do to this day, especially in the early days. I know my mum was, was working at a nurse and had some nursing accommodation and dad was, you know, basically packing boxes in the front room of this nursing accommodation, going out and selling at a store level to every single individual pharmacy around the place and they, they had to work hard. Four seasons all year round, they're working hard. The yeah. products work all year round. All so. four seasons. <laughs> yeah. And right now it's one, of the, it's one of the largest Australian condom manufacturers. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I mean, they've, they've, they've brought it uh, a very long way. And so that's the business. It's now diversified with more products. But what about yourself? What's, what's your story? Did you always... Um, did you always know you were going to join the business or, or yeah, what I mean, I, I've are... basically been in the business in some form or another for, for a very long time. I mean, since I was a kid in high school, I'd take a group of mates into the, into the warehouse and would all pack boxes at, in the school holidays, you know, growing up, it was always, you know, I was always, always involved even through university. I was still uh, working within the business and doing some promotional work with festivals and things like that. Given it's a family business, uh, there's, there's a lot of different things to navigate there. I have two uh, lovely older sisters and one younger brother, also lovely. And, uh, my brother and I currently work in the business and we have a lot of shared responsibility there now. I mean, from my perspective, I definitely always wanted to come into the business at some stage. However, you know, I wanted to make sure that I went away and built my own career first to ensure that when I did join the business, I was going to be bringing back something of value to help us grow and innovate and, you know, explore new categories and that sort of thing. And so then what area did you, because I can't, I know you went to Bond, but I can't remember yeah. what you studied. So what, what yeah, did you? Yeah, so I did a Bachelor of Business at Bond and majored in entrepreneurship and marketing and did a little stint over at the American University of Paris. Thank you very much for the introduction over there. Yeah, I did I refer you to the <laughs> Yeah, you uni? did. I can't remember. <laughs> well, I can't believe they actually took you because they kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually went to class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was where I slipped. <laughs> but, um, and, and so it, it, what was the first job you moved into? Yeah, so, so after graduating university, I started an internship at Ogilvy and Mather, which was a quite a large advertising agency working on a number of different accounts like Coca-Cola and KFC, American Express, uh, and, and a few others. And basically from there, I really just worked my way up from the bottom. It was, it was quite a challenging time. And I, I believe that the work that I did there really set me up for the future because, you know, you're going there, you're doing these crazy hours, really long days, You've been, hey, close nothing. to nothing. Yeah, those marketing firms. Because oh, people want to yeah. work there. That's, exactly, because yeah. there's a great vibe. There's a really good community. You know, there's ping pong tables. Not that you ever really have time to play them, but all that, all that sort of thing, you know, Friday drinks and whatnot. Uh, so basically worked in there for a number of years then moved across to another agency called MNC Saatchi, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, worked uh, with a number of really good people there on the Woolworths, uh, Woolworths Group account. So that was um, BWS specifically was a brand that I was looking after. And so these are big marketing companies. Yeah, they're, they're up doing with ad, the big advertising, yeah, big campaigns. brand campaigns. Uh, but you know everything down to retail marketing as well. So looking at your 
product and price posters and things like that. So that experience specifically really helped me dealing with a big organization like that. Uh, And then also just general project management. I mean, without doing that and without doing the hard yards, managing timelines, budgets, production schedules, all those sorts of things, I would not be able to do what I do now. So that really did set me up for the future. And when I did join the business, I was able to confidently go in there and say, look, I'm truly going to be adding value and there's a massive opportunity here and I believe I'm an asset to the business. Yeah, I, I've, I've gone out to the world. I've learned some experiences and some uh, skills that I want to bring now to the business. So mm. you mm. didn't come in blind, I guess, or, or mm. you you really came in with it with a new perspective. And I'd love to hear, obviously working at those big um, advertising agencies, they're, they're, they're big global companies mm. uh, with uh, with arms in Australia and everywhere else. Mm. And then uh, the family business is, is a family business. Did you – Significantly smaller. Yeah, well, well, I mean family business, businesses uh, normally are unless you're Bernard Arnault. You know, like, yeah, so, exactly. So, but, but was there a difference or did you find that um, first understanding and seeing how large corporations function and work – um, did you did you bring things from that into the family business or did you think that the businesses just work very differently? One's immobile and one's yeah. mobile. Well, that's it's really interesting that you asked that because prior to really, you know, going into the business full time, I was looking at it basically from an outside of work in advertising thinking, you know, there's massive lack of processes and organization. And when I get in there, I'm going to need to change everything just to make it possible to work there. But you know, going in there, I think I started to learn to live with in amongst the chaos and so was still able to implement a few changes and implement a few processes. And it has definitely helped optimize the way things operate. However, you know, a lot of the things I did learn previously, you know, you realize can it doesn't be a waste of time, yeah, right? Yeah. There's so many different um, arms and elements and things that you need to do when really if you're just focusing on the places where, okay, where's the best time I can focus my energy? Where's the place I'm going to be making money? And you go, you go down that channel, it could often be the, the most successful. Yeah, it's true. Like big businesses, big business does things actually very inefficiently and normally quite expensively. Mm. Uh, whereas, whereas small business or medium size or whatever you want to call it for family business mm. um, and private business, call it, um, uh, do things typically more uh, efficient, effective, the more mm. mobile. You can come up with an idea. You can go straight to the factory. Hey, totally. let's produce this. Yeah. Whereas imagine in like a, a Louis Vuitton, or, mm. you'd, you know, you'd probably have to go get approval from the office manager yeah. who asks then the like state manager, then speaks to yeah. the country manager. They've got to get back to France. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Like, imagine how long it must take. Oh, I mean, it works yeah. for them. They, they obviously, that's how it needs to run. And it, you know, it's also interesting that you mentioned that because that's definitely one of our uh, strategic advantages versus one of the bigger organizations or one of our other major competitors, we have the opportunity to look at products and say, okay, great, there's a speed to market opportunity here. You know, we can get this out within one, two, three months versus a bigger organization might take 18, 24 months. And it's just a much, much more nimble way of operating. Also, there's no big hierarchy. So I'll call up my brother, I'll call up my dad. I'll be like, what do you guys reckon? They'll say, no, that's a shit idea or not. Let's go for it all in. And then we just do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the strategic advantage is speed, Mm. you know, and because you're dealing with some massive players in the industry. Who are the big 
I guess. Yeah, so our, our major customers, uh, Woolworths. No, the big com- yeah, oh, co- competition, competition. Oh, the big competition. Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't really look at what they're doing to <laughs> <laughs> What are their names? I can't really remember. <laughs> but, they, but they can't move very fast, like you're saying. No. So being a private oh, I mean, for example, if we did mention one like Wreck-It Ben Kaiser, for example. who well, owned, Ansel would be one. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ansel Lifestyles. So, uh, yeah, there's a number of those sort of ones, but, the you know, they're not. They're not real, true Australian businesses. I mm. mean, we're family-owned Aussie business from scratch, hundred percent, hundred percent Aussie-owned, and always will be. So, you know, that's that's a little bit of a difference of how we're differentiated from them. But yeah, as we're talking about speed to market, I'm sure they have um, bigger production lead times and bigger yep. minimum order quantities and things like that. Whereas we can just test and trial smaller runs and see what works, what doesn't work and fail fast. Yeah, I, I'm to. sure the big difference is just the approval process mm. for them to have something approved. Forget talking about even your direct competitors, but for any large business to get something approved takes takes a long time. Mm. For a smaller business or, or a private business, it can be a lot quicker. Mm. And so, you know, if you are a smaller business taking on a big player, mm. perhaps what you should be thinking is, okay, what what's an advantage of being smaller? Well, an advantage is that we can move quicker. So how do we best utilize that movement? Well, we should probably look to innovate. Uh, we, we need to look for innovation. Mm. You know, that, that we need to find something, we need to find ways to do things better and we need to bring them out faster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or bring them out quickly. Um, and is that is that kind of a strategy yeah. that you guys oh, use? Oh, definitely. And I mean, for, for our business specifically, what we've really focused on over the last few years is how we can basically mitigate risk from, you know, moving away from only being within, say, the condom category and things like that. What, we, what can we do to enter new categories which are currently experiencing high growth, for example, skincare. And that is where the opportunities have come with skin control and specifically the, the product range of pimple patches. It it came off the idea of, okay, well, let's innovate because we need to innovate to grow. So what are we going to do? And I, I was looking at, you know, different opportunities out there. And from a, from a young age, I experienced quite bad acne. And I was like, I would love to just be able to have an awesome product that genuinely worked, that's going to be affordable for, you know, everyone to use and something that's super effective. So I went over to a a conference in Las Vegas and was looking around at products and saw, saw a brand doing this product, this type of product, which is, um, which was a pimple patch essentially. And it basically is a little hydrocholine patch, which absorbs all the gunk and crap out of your skin. I was like, this is amazing. We don't have this in Australia yet. We need to bring it here. And then, they were like, nah, not interested in dealing with you. And I was like, oh, I'll just do it myself then. <laughs> and then from there, brought it back and, you know, and and really believed in the product, went to uh, went out to Woolies and said, hey, I've got this awesome concept. Would absolutely love to launch it with you. The same with, with Chemist Warehouse and Coles. And they're like, yep, yeah, let's go for it. And I was like, fantastic. And then it's just sort of been this catch it up from there. I'm like, okay, how do we get enough stock to make sure we're con- constantly and continuously in supply to have it on shelf so people can be purchasing it? And it's um, been a been a really 
great success story so far and we've got a number of products that we're working on currently. Uh, I'm going over to the UK tomorrow to, to go to another expo and look at what more uh, innovation we can bring back and adapt to the Australian market. So, yeah, it's and, and that's times. something that you brought to the business as well. Yeah. yeah. You went to Vegas, and yeah. I'm sure for the conference, yeah. and you, know, you, you went and, and saw this concept and brought it back. And, and so you mentioned that they didn't want to give it to you. You had to make it yourself. Yeah. How do you actually make something? Like how does one go and create a magic piece of tape that you put on your face <laughs> yeah. and it sucks out you. Yeah, so so I basically spent a lot of time online searching for manufacturers and uh, supply partners and and really just trying to find the right people to work with and going to from there going to other conferences and working out, okay, how could I meet these people? What could I do? And I mean, that would be definitely a piece of advice for any anyone who's looking at starting a product or trying to get into you know, fast moving consumer goods is get out to these expos, get out to these conferences and meet as many people, find your people, you know, whether it is joining Carbon, mm-hmm. if, if they're looking at service-based companies or whatever it may be, but just try and get out there and, and meet as many people as you can because they're, they're the experts who you can rely on in your business. So when, when I did find our manufacturing partner, I went out to their factories and, uh, and did tours and really got under the hood of how it worked and, and what exactly uh, we needed to do to, for it to work within the Australian market. And, and yeah. And but do you send them, do you say, hey, this is the concept, this is what mm. we needed to do, can you design something that does that? Yeah. Or do you send them, hey, this is how to make it exactly? So, so yeah, they basically have a template of what a, a product could be that they may supply to other brands and you adapt it based on, what you believe will work within the Australian market. So there's just little things like shapes and sizes and thicknesses. And, uh, you know, for, for me, I wanted to add in tea tree oil because it's something that's very familiar to Australian people and it, it, it's a natural antiseptic. So just little little tweaks and things like that. And then you basically uh, work on a sample and then you – you know, you do tests with a number of um, a number of people and see how it reacts with their skin, and then from there you go, all right, awesome, we're onto something here. Start presenting it, uh, and then there's negotiations back and forth with the retailers about launch dates, margins, promotional plans, all the fun stuff. You mentioned uh, what was the pimple thing called? Pimple patch. Oh, you the brand Skin Control, but the yeah, pimple the, patch. That's yeah, what yeah. it's called. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you mentioned pimple patch, and that was something that you brought to the business. I yes. guess it's like a business you've started within the business. Yeah. Um. Uh, but but I actually want to hear when you felt ready to join the family business. When you felt ready to and confident enough to to make an impact. Were there, were there any? I guess was there any major life experiences that you went through that gave you that confidence or or did it naturally just kind of you fall into it? Yeah, from a confidence perspective, it's an interesting one. Uh, you know, I've got a, a bit of a story which is quite close to me on a, on a personal level and, you know, I, I feel confident to to share it with you specifically being such a good friend and then in turn all, all the listeners as well. Joe, it's not just me, <laughs> I can promise you that. Well, I thought it was just you and I here today, right? <laughs> I thought these microphones just cool, cool accessory. <laughs> yeah. What is this thing? Where am I? Uh, so, so yeah. Basically, before actually getting into the family business, it was it was really at the start of my start of my professional career before I got into advertising. I had been battling uh, with my sexuality, and it was something that I 
you know, really pushed deep, deep down inside of me. I was, I was very concerned about what people would think of me coming out as a gay man and how people would react. And I, I really lacked the confidence, uh, which I, which I believed I needed uh, from a career perspective in order to back myself. So once I did come out, I, I was able to really look at people's reactions and say, oh, no one cared. No, you know, it didn't, didn't change the way that we were even friends at all. You know, everyone was super supportive and my family still loved me. I believe just as much. And, um, and from that perspective, I was then able to really have, uh, have the strength to believe in myself and think, look, if I can do this, it was, you know, that was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. If I can do this and I can overcome it and I, I can excel and meet an amazing partner, Billy, who I have now today, you know, it really made me believe I can do anything. So that truly gave me the confidence to believe, okay, I can do this. I've got this. And, and you can back yourself. And can we talk more about like when you said battling your sexuality, because I can imagine that being a big kind of uh, suppression on on someone's uh, on someone's life. Like mm. you, you kind of feeling like, oh, I'm not myself, or is is there? I don't know what what's that what's that feeling and what goes through your head and how does that yeah. negatively impact your life? Because I, so, I mean, the, oh, I there's, mean the, there's lots of people obviously that go through. Um, exactly what you went through or, or even for similar things. Absolutely. And at the time you, you, you don't see that. You don't see that there is other people going through it. So it's almost like you, you're really internalising a lot of things and you're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, people aren't going to respect me in the same way. The people aren't going to want to have the same friendships you had. But, but it's, it's, yeah, it, it's a challenge, right? It's, it creates a lot of mental health issues and the, and issues that you really believe you can't share with anyone. So you're keeping them with yourself. And when things like that sort of sit on you internally, it really starts to weigh you down. But when you do come out and you do sort of speak to your friends and family about it, this weight lifts off your shoulders and you regain this amazing confidence, which you otherwise, you know, may not have. And I think in today's day and age, people are so warm and accepting of that. Uh, and, and really appreciate, you know, that, that sort of um, honesty. So it's, yeah, been a real, a real major life experience for me and I think it's helped form and shape the business person I am today. Oh, I completely agree. I love how you described it, regain this amazing confidence. And it's kind of like that's why it's so important um, for, for people to be openly accepting of, of, of whatever because then people around them, they, you, you don't know, there could be – like great friends like yourself around you that that uh, could be feeling like they're ashamed of something and and having a rough time about it and they need to come out and and I think the way you said it you regain this amazing confidence it's kind of like you you're becoming the full full version of yourself totally you know, it's full potential yeah you know? yeah I, I remember my, my um my mum and dad, when I came out, they're like, this is so awesome. We need to have a massive coming out party. Let's get drag queens. Let's get a big band and let's do this. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. Like I'd really <laughs> thank you for accepting me. And I'm like, it's all right. You're too <laughs> accepting. Calm <laughs> down. Be a little less accepting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a party of some sort. Some of it, it, was, it was actually the day of my graduation up on the Gold Coast and a whole bunch of friends and um, family came up for it. And that was, that was sort of a, a bit of a coming out party then, so we got to have it in the end. <laughs> and what made you feel like it was the right time though? Like what what even gave you the It was just closing one book and opening another, really. I mean, I'd I'd been living over in in 
France for a year and had come back and finished off my degree. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to start my professional life. Who I, who do I want to be as a man moving forward? I want to be honest to myself. I want to not have anything holding me back. And, and it really didn't, you know, once I got that off my shoulders, off my chest, it was, it's been fantastic. And it's really helped, you know, excel and propel my career from, you know, not, not necessarily the, the gay part, but more just the confidence. Yeah, no, just being you. It's it's a roadblock that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time and you're thinking, oh, you're coming up against it and you can't get past it. But when you break through it, it's awesome. Yeah, and then, I mean, look what happened, I guess, from that point. You really went on a wrecking spree of, of, of great things. You know, you found an amazing partner. You've, you've, you're doing incredible things with business work and, and, and life in general. Like, I just think it's a cool, inspiring story um, oh, and motivating story that, that – uh, that people, I think that's a great thing for people to hear. Mm. And so uh, you, you've you gone into the business and what was the, the first thing you noticed was, okay, well, this is different to the big corporates. Mm. Uh, this is still a very big business, but it's privately owned business. Mm. And so it runs very differently to, to, to big corporation. Mm. Um, you notice the differences and you said, okay, we want to expand we can't expand our condoms anymore because they're already king sized. <laughs> so we need to expand our product categories. And, yeah. and that's what you've done now to grow the business yourself is to actually look for new product categories. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're constantly looking at new opportunities out there and what we can invest in. And we're, we're totally open and willing to hearing from other people who have great ideas and want to come to us and, you know, potentially partner with us because we have the opportunity to potentially, you know, fund them to get, help get them started. And we have um, good, great manufacturing capabilities and logistics capabilities, warehousing and everything. So we're, we're constantly looking at, at new opportunities, whether it is me looking at them or other people coming to us. Oh, so like someone could come to you and say, Michael, I have this fantastic idea for a skincare product. This is why it's unique. I obviously Absolutely. don't know how to make it uh, or do it, but, could, you know, is this something you guys would be interested in doing? in partnership with me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, would absolutely. You be open That's 100% like that? exactly what we're open to and we would love to hear from anyone out there who does have anything like that and just needs a hand getting something off the ground. I guarantee you there'll be listeners who will, who will reach out because of that. Like you'll probably get some good ideas. Imagine okay. if I – imagine if this podcast starts <laughs> the next like – Double king size condom for the three people. For the three people in Australia that need it. Um, <laughs> and, oh god! <laughs> and what about um, your working with your family? So, uh, one yeah, thing that good, good question. Yeah, because it is hard, and uh, I've done it once before in my early career, mm. and uh, I've spoken to many people on this podcast about it. Mm. How do you find that that best works and, and what's the dynamic? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Before you said, you know, when you walked into the family business day day one, what did you realise? What did you need to change? I, I realised, oh, you know, my dad's here, my brother's here. How's this going to go? And and it actually went really well, interestingly. You know, we're, we're all very individual different types of people and different types of personalities, which makes our family so fantastic because we're all different colourful sorts. And initially I did have a little bit of hesitation to go into the business thinking, oh, I just don't want to mix that work, you know, family dynamic. But it's been honestly one of the most incredible experiences, just having that time to be there working together and, you know, also being able to separate 
family life is is fantastic and the you know the way we sort of do it is you talk about work at work and at home when we're around the dinner table we're not talking about work it's family time so so there's that that clear sort of definition between the two do do each of you have a very different role though for example what do you do what does um alex uh, your brother do what does your dad do so so basically i look after our major grocery and pharmacy accounts so all the retailers within that space uh, and then I also work with our field teams from a pharmacy perspective and and a grocery perspective. I'm also uh, working with our expansion in New Zealand currently and what that looks like with the teams there and new so product you're focusing on the retail you're focusing on innovation and the retail and sales, like the sales yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah so those those two areas specifically sales within those categories all those channels and then my brother's looking after the petrol and convenience channels so looking at those sort of uh, yeah, those petrol stations, those retailers and the convenience corner stores, I guess mm. you could say. Uh, and yeah, it, it's been it's been great. And then the other part we sort of split between us is is the marketing side of things. So I'll look after the marketing for some brands and he'll look after the marketing or social media for a couple of the other brands. But but it all seems to all seems to work. Uh, I noticed that you guys have a really cool social media your instagrams is it the instagram that's yeah. super cool yeah it's kind of like on which brand no the four, i think it's the, the four, four seasons. seasons yeah 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 it's great we've actually just started working with a new agency called the ardent co uh they're fantastic they're a fantastic boutique style agency down in rush cutters at rush cutters bay and uh yeah we've, we've started working with them the last couple of weeks and we're currently working on a couple of new product launches with them and what what that will look like from a from a marketing perspective they but they, but i know that you i know that you mm. or your brother or you and your brother had a big impact on the social media before you guys yeah. did it it was it wasn't what it is what was your thing because it's quite it's quite i don't know if you call it quirky or what <laughs> well, would you call it we, we we previously did a number of really sort of out there memes right so it was a lot of very high intensity sexual innuendo which Otherwise, you probably wouldn't do if you're working in a bigger company. But because we don't have that hierarchy, we're like, let's see <laughs> what happens. Funny. <laughs> let's see. Let's see how it goes. I mean, it in, in the in the days of when Facebook was really king before Instagram took over for for brands, uh, it, it we would get in like you know seven eight thousand comments per post. It was absolutely wild. So all, a lot of our content was going viral and we really focused around creating creating content and creating campaigns that would have that sort of element to it. Uh, but, you know, those days are, have, have sort of gone and, and things are starting to change now, the way that people interact with social media. So, so yeah, we've, we've basically had to adapt as a result of that. But it's been fantastic. I mean, the, the work that we did there has allowed us to, you know, go to the Cannes Lion Awards and we've won won a couple of awards. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, and so well, I ran actually, the, I ran the South of France. <laughs> yeah, it's been a great hit. Yeah, so made for some good times over there. But see, sometimes like with marketing, you just kind of have to take a risk, I guess. Like mm. you don't know – yeah, it could be risky, but I guess if you're too mundane or if you're too the norm or if you're just too normal in general, yeah. you're not going to be noticed. Kind of like what's that blue cow thing that everyone – is that a thing? <laughs> what's the blue cow? I don't know. Like if you're driving – Oh, the, is there an elephant in the room? No. Yeah, it's kind of like that. No, no, that doesn't make but sense in it's this. It's a similar – well, I promise you if there was an elephant in the room, I'd notice it though. <laughs> but, you know, like a blue cow – I don't know what they call it, but like when you're driving in the field, if you saw it, there's a bunch of cows and there's a blue one, you'd be like, hey, shit, that cow's blue. Yeah, okay. You know, it's different. So trying to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like that's what you guys did and that's what um, – 
that's what a lot of market is. Well, that's what marketing is. It's how, how yeah. you make yourself different. But I would also assume that you would have a pretty good, or you'd have a lot of experience in finding your, I guess your USP or whatever makes you different because mm. you're, you're dealing in a, a big industry, mm. in a big market with, with big players yes. and, you know, people, um, a lot of different uh, things, are t- categories, I guess, are taken. Mm. So how mm. do you go about actually like, exactly. okay, well, how am I going to find my in? What, what's going to be, yeah. what makes us unique or this product well, it, Exactly. Unique? And it is all about finding that unique selling proposition. So for us, it has been really looking at the category more broadly. So if we take skincare, for example, you know, you'd think, I'm not going to start a skincare brand. It's so saturated. There's already those massive brands out there who have infinite marketing budgets. How on earth do you get in there? It's just looking at the global markets, really. I mean, and and going to meet people and talking to people and thinking, okay, well, we don't have one of those here. This really retailer doesn't have this sort of product. Oh, there's these ingredients which are on trend, which aren't currently being sold in that retailer. Bang, let's do one of those. And it's not always going to be super successful, but if you get one that is, it's fantastic. It's so, so when you say go look at the global market, it's literally go travel the world, see what different countries are selling. And yeah, I mean, you don't necessarily need to physically travel the world. There's a lot more opportunities online now looking at just looking at retailers from overseas and looking at their websites and looking at their categories and, you know, what do they have? What don't they have? Okay. Well, we can do that here. Why not? So existing ideas that are in the world that you think would suit at the Australian market. Yeah. And then adapting obviously the the language and the tone of voice, the packaging and the aesthetic of the product and all those sorts of little nuances to make sure that it's going to work once it actually hits the shelf here. And how do you convince companies like, I mean, you're dealing with huge retailers. So how do you convince them, hey, you know, you should stock this. What, what do you say? Like, what's the process? <laughs> oh, and do they reject some? The or they're like, no. Nah, oh, of course. I mean, rejection. I've really learned to now deal with rejection. I wasn't probably so good at it before, but it's really part of it, dealing with rejection, absolutely. Uh, but but the, the process is uh, obviously finding the product, creating your mock-up, getting your samples done, putting together a bit of a pitch deck, I guess you could say, uh, and then finding the right contacts within the business, whether it is, you know, searching through LinkedIn or if you have contacts within your own network, trying to work with second or third contacts to then put you in touch is always is always a good way. A personal referral always works best. So, yeah, that that's really it. And then once you do, once you do finally get in touch, and they'll often say, Oh, sorry, not interested. Or, or they'll say, you know, come back to me in six months when we have our category review and we're looking at this category as a whole and looking at opportunities for new product development. Uh, and then you you basically work into their review timings and put together the proposal. You work on your pricing and, as I said before, the promotional plan and, and yeah, put together a bit of a plan to say how you're going to launch this product and how it's going to make them money. So you're basically presenting a business plan to – to the big retailers saying, hey, this is why the product's going to work in the market. This is why it's unique. Mm. This is how we're promoting it. So people are going to come buy it from you. Mm. Uh, All you have to do is stock it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All you have to do is stock it. And then they say, okay, we're going to stock it. How are you going to be driving that foot traffic into our stores? And you need to look at, from a marketing perspective, all the different channels where you're going to be advertising on and how that is going to work. And if if they believe in the product and it's at the right price, they, they sometimes will take it. It really is a great business supermarket, isn't it? It's like we've got X amount of space. Um, uh, so we've got, you know, 
we've got this much room to stock to stock things, to, to put things on show. Mm. Uh, we're going to only stock the things that are going to sell the absolute most and you have to make it for us. You give it to us. <laughs> yeah. You go promote it so other yeah. people know that, you know, they have to come by and they have to come to us. And when they come to us, they're not just buying yours. They're probably going to buy that person's stock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? like, yeah. It's just a great business. Like you, yeah. everyone like, come to it's us. It's like real estate in, yeah. a, in a way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. The, I guess limited. You're buying the real estate. You're buying stocks, that space yeah, limited on shelf. Space. Yeah. yeah. That's what you're doing. But it's just mm. cool business. They're kind of, Everyone's just giving you stuff. Even your customers have to come to you all the time. You know, like, it's crazy. Is it too late to sell up a supermarket? <laughs> have you seen? Have you? Well, someone just did. Have you? Um, uh, have you used Milk Run yet? Yes. Oh it's my god! It's changed my life. Epic. And yeah. I was like, "There's no way this ten minute thing's going to happen." I mean, I live it down does. the road from you here, and at, like we're at the end of our street, and you put you put in the order, and you go. What, how? Like, where? Firstly, where are these people? Yeah. Like, where is their warehouse? Where and how are they? From? How are they getting here in ten minutes? It's like, unbelievable. The founder of it, Danny is his name. Yeah. yeah he yeah. was the guy that did koala mattresses. Yes. Yeah. And he was a member of Cub. Oh, and then okay. he moved to Japan. I don't know why. I think that's where they would. That's where koala was expanding or raising capital, something like yeah. that. And and uh, he's just raised seventy million dollars. To basically wow, set up fantastic. to set up yeah, this milk run thing, and honestly, I'm convinced he's going to be one of the wealthiest dudes in the country. Yeah. Because oh, once that once that model goes overseas as well, yeah, it's changed my life. Like I, I'll be cooking now, mm. and then oh shit, I forgot a tomato, and mm. then I'll just <laughs> milk run, and then yeah. bing comes to the it's door, there. and they don't even walk in; they just leave it at the door and walk yeah. off, and it's great. I just open the door. Oh, there it is. Like pick yeah. it up, throw it in the fucking whatever. I'm They're making. always really lovely. The people they've got working for them. They so are like, oh, I have a really nice yeah. night, and you're yeah. like, you too. Yeah. To, to bring it back to the actual topic is would you guys, like for example, when an opportunity like Milk Run comes, <laughs> yes, would you guys then look at that and be like, wow, that's an interesting uh, new market, or, you know, a new way to distribute? Because for example- Yeah, absolutely. If you need Distribution, a, yeah. absolutely. I, I think there's so much, there's so much- room for innovation in that space. I mean, that example is a, is a perfect example. Yeah. But for example, are you able to do that? Or would the big retailers, when companies do deals with them, are they like, okay, but you can only use us exclusively. You can only distribute through us as a supermarket or as yeah. a petrol station. Well, at launch, definitely. The, the big retailers will often want some sort of exclusivity agreement, whether it is six or 12 months, and you need to work out if that is viable for you as a business. And it's really important to stay on top of uh, your margins and, and looking at, okay, well, if we need to sell X number of products and we're making this amount of profit on it, are we able to only exclusively sell it to this re retailer for a 12 month period or do we need to continue to grow? So yeah, it really is something that you need to look and at and address on a case by case basis. Oh, so you do it per product. It's not as a business. You could have it per product. So yeah. So you might have a product. range, for example, uh, you know, you'll release a new range of products and they'll say, and they'll say, we want that exclusively for six months. And then you say, okay, not getting the others exclusively because they've already been on the shelf for 10 years, but it's generally generally for new, new products for launch. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. And so, I mean, what are your, what's your future? So obviously you are the future. You, yourself and your brother are the future of the business. What is your vision? What would you like to see it become? I mean, we would absolutely love to continue you know, working within the existing categories, which we are, and growing those categories for, for the retailers and, you know, trying to provide more suitable products 
for for consumers, uh, but also entering new product. Sorry, entering new categories and looking at how we can continue to expand our share of market as a as a business, uh, and then just basically getting it ready. Whether we're setting it up for the next generation or setting it up to sell. sell. I know my my nieces and nephews one day may may be keen to come into the business, or they may not. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But I know at the moment we're all working our absolute asses off. <laughs> and what what makes you passionate about it? Like, why do you? Would you choose to do what you're doing now or do you do it because it's a family I mean, it, it's just totally changed my whole paradigm and way that I look at going to work. It, you know, it used to be like, oh, my gosh, I've got this, you know, all these big campaigns coming up, stuff's everywhere, you know, working your, working your ass off for someone else, right? But now it's it's all about it's all about the family and we all have a shared vision and we're all, you know, about helping people. So it, it's it's – very clear to me why I want to be in the business and why I want to continue doing what we're doing within the business. It is very special being in a family business because you are, you're working hard for your family. I mean, most business owners are working hard for their family, but when it's a family business, you, you know, you're working with each other on a daily basis mm. and you're, you're all contributing to a common cause mm. um, or, or to, solve a common, uh, to solve a common problem. So I would imagine it would create yes, a lot of You all of, have like, this shared goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. There is it's absolutely a lot of camaraderie. So you celebrate the wins and, you know, commiserate commiserate the losses. Yeah. <laughs> What's the term? Yeah, well it yeah, makes the, oh, yeah. I know, but it would make the losses easier because at least you can or or unless people are like I told you that was a shit idea. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I would probably be that guy. Or I when told you when there's a good idea, it's funny because then, you know, the rest of the family is like, Oh, I think I that was actually that. my idea. Yeah. Was that me who told you to do that? And you're like I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's having great ideas apparently. 100%. Yeah, I mentioned that too about two years ago. Yeah. You know, that, I'll take that one. Uh, all right, we're about out of time. I just wanted to ask, do you re- are you a reader? Do you read I much? read a little bit. And what would you what, – I guess what's a book that's made the biggest impact in your life or, or, or towards business? Ooh, uh, the book's not so specifically about business, but the book which has helped me in my dealings within business is uh, is – something that's a little bit left of field. It's by Eckhart Tolle. It's called The Power of Now. And basically he talks all about living in the moment. So you're trying to let go of fear about the future or overthinking things that may have happened in the past. And it's really about trying to enjoy the present moment that you're in. And for me, that really helped alleviate a lot of the stresses and anxieties that you'd have around, oh no, what's going to happen with the business in the future? Or, oh no, we shouldn't have done that. It's all about now and, you know, doing your absolute best in this moment and being present. When did you read that? How long ago? Oh, about six months ago. Okay. So you've recently read it. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, well, I haven't read that. I should probably buy it. But mm. it's quite it's quite a quick, easy read. You'd knock it over in a couple. Of is days. that why you read it? <laughs> I'm like, short, don't have time it's for like these one big of those long ten ones. Page books that you <laughs> I think I found read. it at the airport. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I buy all my books at Amazon in the airport. When I used to travel back and forth between Melbourne, every time I fly, I buy yeah. buy a book, even if I didn't read it. I was carrying on with. I me. wonder if you're paying a premium at the airport compared without to like Amazon. Oh, without a doubt, <laughs> airport everything's expensive. Totally. Um, but um, I'm going to be happy to go to the airport very soon. Same. For the tomorrow. first time. Oh, yeah, you're going tomorrow. I can't <laughs> believe you're traveling. And also, I guess what would be, I mean, you've had the, uh, I guess you, we've both been privileged to have the ability to have um, our parents as, as mentors in business. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm sure most of the listeners uh, 
uh, know by now that uh, I always reference my my uh, my dad for for lessons he's taught me. Is there something? Is there a great lesson or, or a piece of wisdom, perhaps that you, <laughs> that your parents have have shared with you at some point throughout throughout that? There is there. What the fuck am I saying? <laughs> but but uh, no. Is there is there a, a key piece of wisdom? I know you, your old man or your your mum has has left you. Oh, definitely. Dad said this thing to me the other day. I was going, oh, this is too much. This is going to be too much work. I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. He goes, Michael, this is, a, this is something I want to tell you. And I was like, what? And he goes, bite off more than you can chew and then chew like hell. <laughs> <laughs> My dad always says that. Well, I can tell Graham that don't, at Cub, we definitely do that. <laughs> uh, awesome. That's an awesome way to finish up. And to our listeners – if you want some free condom, nah. <laughs> if you want to, um, well, actually, if you want to reach out to Michael, um, whether you have a great idea that you think you could partner with uh, Four Seasons or, or, sorry, what's the main company called? Australian Therapeutic Supplies. Australian Therapeutic Supplies. Uh, if, you, if you've got an idea, you want to partner with them, you go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find Michael's LinkedIn uh, favourite book, lessons and all sorts of things there, along with the many other incredible guests that we have here on Catching Up With Cub. If you want to catch up with Cub on social media, it's at Club United Business. It's also awesome. All right. Thank you so much being here. Thank you so much. It's great being did here. You, how was it? Did you did you, did you get nervous? Did you feel all right? Was it we talking to me about up business? With an old friend. That's, That's it. exactly what it is. That's it. Well, to listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. Cheers.